Hey, welcome to the Christ Fellowship Podcast. This is Derek. Man, we are in the middle of this series that's entitled Higher, where we're looking at God's ways and His thoughts. And today, what I felt prompted from the Lord is to look at uh, the temple. It's a very misunderstood um, concept, and it's really a picture in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament of God's desire to dwell with His people. So grab your Bible, grab some paper and pen, and let's dig into what God has for us today. Yeah, that truth is refreshing. It brings peace. It challenges us. Just think about what we're singing. Jesus, you reign above it all. Over it all. Over all the nations. Over every heart. And yet, there's such a clear... um, clear recognition that you're with us today here. So we honor you. We honor you, the one who reigns above it all and yet is in the midst of us all. And we welcome your leadership today, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would lead us into truth. You would give us a a greater revelation of this man, this God-man that we call Jesus. Shift our perspective shift our hearts to come into agreement with you today. Um, Lead us into truth that sets us free. I thank you for the promise that as we draw close to you, you promise that you draw close to us. So Lord, we say yes, we want you, we desire you. And we thank you that you feed the hungry and that you give water and drink to those that are thirsty. So why don't you just take a moment, why don't you just lift up your own prayer to the Lord? What are you, what are you feeling like there's lack today? Where do you feel like there's a need today? Where do you feel grateful today? Maybe you just live up, lift up a, a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of praise, or maybe it's a prayer of pain, a prayer of suffering, a prayer of I don't know what to do, God. All of these things, the Lord is in the midst of all of them, and he's wooing us, he's beckoning us. Come to me. I'm the one that gives you life. Just lift up your prayers to the Lord, lift up your gratitude to the Lord. This felt like as we were singing that, the the picture worship is is face-to-face. It's actually the strong word that means to kiss face-to-face, and that's what worship is. We're face-to-face with the Lord. Just just give you time just to connect with Him. You don't need a pastor to lead you. You don't need a band to lead you. Just say, Lord, here's where I'm at today. This is what I need. This is where I'm at. He's so faithful. He's so true. He's persistent. He's patient. not in a hurry. That's we get in a hurry. He's not in a hurry. Holy Spirit, you just continue to minister to so many here in the room today, those that are joining us online, that are setting their gaze on you, that, that are seeking, that are knocking, that are asking. 
We thank you that you meet us in those places. I want us to continue just to have a, a moment of corporate prayer. I'm going to ask you, ask you to go ahead and have a seat, though. I just want to lead us uh, in, uh, in some prayer this morning, corporately, before we open up the scriptures, before we enter into what God has for us today and the truth in his word. Um, I know there's, uh, man, there's a lot going on in, in the world right now, and uh, lots of questions, lots of unknowns. And, um, and there's a lot to watch. There's a lot to watch. And there's a lot of coverage, a lot of media coverage around what's going on in the conflict in Israel. And, and so here, here's what we can do. We can watch, and I think most of the world is watching, but that's not what, called, what we're called to do. We're called to watch and what? Pray. This is what I think a lot of believers around the world are getting wrong. They're watching, they're sucked in, they're anxious, they're all, but many aren't taking the next step, which is the most important step, watch and what? Pray, watch and pray. So yeah, watch, don't be ignorant of what's going on. Don't just put your head in the sand and act like nothing's going on. We don't wanna be that kind of people, but we wanna be a people that recognize and see what's going on, we watch and then we move into prayer. And so here's what I want us to do this morning. We're going we're gonna to move together as a community and we're going to pray over a couple areas. Because I know there's a lot of unknown, there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of anxiety. And, um, and I think the time when those things are at their peak is the time where God's saying, come to me. I'll give you life. I'll give you rest. Come to me. And so together, we're just going to pray over a couple areas that I felt like the Lord was leaning into. And so the first area that I want us to pray into, I want us to pray for Israel. Uh, I want us to pray for the people of Israel. And I want to specifically um, remind us that within Israel, there's around 100 and I think 185,000 Jesus followers that are in Israel. 185,000, which is a little less than 2% of the population. So majority of Israel is actually lost. They haven't experienced Jesus. They haven't encountered him. And, and many of them actually have turned away from even their own faith and, and are just agnostic or uh, uh, um, even atheists in it. And so I want us to pray for Israel. So can we just together, can we just pray peace over Israel? Can we pray that, that the hearts of those people in Israel would be turned to Jesus, that they would recognize his beauty, his power, and so let's just right now, just close your eyes. Why don't you just lift up a prayer all over the room? I know we don't always do this, but I think it's important that we, that we lift up prayers, partner with Jesus who's praying right now. He's interceding for us. And so, Lord, right now we, we partner with heaven and we say, uh, man, we want to see your kingdom come in Israel. Lord, you are the comforter, and there's so many people in Israel that are needing comfort. There's so much pain, suffering, unknown, just devastating violence. And so we just release your peace over Israel right now. And I pray that this season would somehow shift heart, shift mind, shift perspective, that, that Jesus, that, that you would become so clear in Israel of who you are. 
pray for the leaders, their hearts would be turned towards you. Protection for those that are caught in the midst of the back and forth, Lord, that have nothing to do with the militaries or leadership decisions that are just caught there. I pray protection. I pray that there'd be a recognition of your presence, your provision. And we bless Israel right now. Your kingdom come, Lord. And now I want us to shift, um, and I want us to pray, and I want us to bless Palestine. Once again, um, much of the news coverage doesn't tell you this, but there are approximately 48,000 believers that are Palestinian. Actually, in Hamas, that is, or uh, in Hamas, in Gaza, uh, where all of this chaos is happening, there's actually several churches. There's a specific Baptist church in the middle of that region. There are many innocent people. There are many actually friends of friends, actually family members of friends that we know that have lost loved ones that are in Palestine, that are in Gaza. And, uh, and so I want us now to pray over Palestine that they also would recognize the beauty and the power and the grace of Jesus. How many of you know that's what needs right now, right? And so can we take a moment and bless Palestine, bless the Palestinians there, uh, what's happening there, that the refugees would be able to get out away from harm's way, that those that are left there that can't get out, that they would be protected, and, uh, and that the hearts of the Palestinian people would be turned to the Lord. Can we just pray and agree that needs to happen? We long for that to happen. And so, Lord, Lord we thank you for um, this part of the world and for the people that we know as the Palestinians in Palestine. Lord, I thank you for the brothers and sisters in Christ that we have there. And, and I just feel your sorrow for those that are experiencing great trauma, that are scared for the realization that, that um, Gaza will never again likely be the way that it was before and what trauma that brings and, and, and all the unknowns and the panicking of getting out of the area and people that can't get out and people that are wondering where their loved ones are. We just recognize that and we recognize that your heart weeps for people that are experiencing this kind of pain. And so Lord, we bless Palestine and we pray that they would turn their hearts towards you, that this, this moment of suffering and great travesty um, would lead to an encounter with the living God who promises to restore all things. So Lord, specifically in, in that country, would you uh, allow the believers, the followers of Jesus to rise to places of influence, to, to, for their voice to be magnified, that you would give hope and peace in the midst of this chaos. We bless Palestine and we pray that it would be aware of your love that's never changed and your provision, Jesus. And lastly, and I know this is challenging, and, and yet the teaching of Jesus makes it really clear that we're called to bless and pray for our enemies. And, and that's easy when it's, you know, locally maybe, um, but there's not like a ceiling to that kind of love and that kind of following Jesus. And so here's what I want us to do. And I know it may be challenging for you, so you don't have to go there if you, if you don't feel you're prepared or ready for that. But I want to pray um, that um, the leadership and the, the soldiers of Hamas would also turn to the Lord. 
just to, to remind us, bombs don't change hearts. And I, I understand there's na- navigating leadership, high-level leadership decisions and all that, but, but what changed hearts is encountering the presence of God. And, and that happens in lots of ways. And one of the ways it happens in the Middle East a lot, and we have friends over there that see this a lot, our, our, our dreams and visions that, that people have. And so can we just lean in for a moment and can we pray for Hamas and its leaders to turn towards Jesus, for them to have revelation of this king who is everything they want actually, and yet they believe the lie like many of us, us have over, over years and years. They believe the lie and they're chasing a lie and it's just leading to death. Isn't that our story, by the way? They just happen to be caught up in a different narrative. And so what I know about each Hamas leader, and this is so hard for us to say, but it's the truth, and we believe this to our core, they're made in God's image. I know that's so hard for us, but they are, and God loves them. And the cross was not just meant for us in the West. It was also meant for every single person in the Middle East. Can we say amen to that? And so can we just pray as a community that there would be a massive turning to the truth, that there would be a change of hearts, even in the midst of this great conflict and, and honestly just evil that's happened in the Middle East. Can we just pray right now that there would be a change, a shift in Hamas? Lord, I thank you that you, you, God, are above it all. Like we just sang that. It would be ridiculous for us to, to sing that and not believe it's true in this situation. So we proclaim the name of Jesus over Hamas. Lord, we thank you that you are present and that you are revealing yourself to hearts that are willing, willing to receive you. And I pray, Lord, joining with Jesus, that there would be a massive shift of hearts, shift of minds in the leadership of this organization, of, of those that are in the ranks that are carrying out the work of the leaders, the desires. There would be even a shift in the grassroots level where people are like, what are we doing? Why are we hating those that are our neighbors? Why are we killing those that are innocent? Why, why, why? Lord, I pray that you would allow truth to drop in because we know when truth drops in, there is freedom. And so we pray that there would be men and women along the way that are people of the cross, people of the way, people filled with your spirit that would be able to speak in, to challenge, ask questions. And that the hearts of this terrorist organization, the leadership of that would be turned towards Jesus and that there would be a a great repentance, a change in heart to come into agreement with you. So we pray, Lord, that there would be reconciliation, restoration in the Middle East. And we partner with our brothers and sisters in faith right now in the spirit that they would recognize that you are with them and that you are for them. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen, amen. So I'd encourage you to continue to watch, but don't just watch, watch and pray, all right? Let's continue to watch and pray. And this week as I was preparing, you know, just talking a lot about what's going on in the Middle East with lots of different people, lots of perspectives, honestly. There's lots of places you could go today and you could hear lots of perspectives of how this all ties into end times and what this means. And I'm not gonna get into that today and... Um, but I was thinking a lot about Jerusalem and Israel and, and the Lord kept prompting me about the temple, the temple, the temple, the temple. And so today, uh, I, I want to continue the series where we're, we're talking about higher and how God's ways are higher and his thoughts are higher. And yet we're called to actually know his thoughts and walk in his ways out of Isaiah 55. I want us to continue to lean in that. And I want to talk about the temple today. 
and hopefully give some perspective and, uh, and also encourage you um, in a way of what this temple means to us today. So, so temple, what, what does it mean in the scriptures? Here's a really easy definition. It means it's a place where the presence of God and man coexist and where heaven overlaps earth. So you wonder what the temple is? The temple is a place, a meeting place, where the very presence of God, God himself, the being God is in the midst of humanity, in the midst of man and woman, in the midst of community, in the midst of humanity. And in that, there's this overlap that happens where heaven and earth somehow overlap. This is what the temple was meant to be. And all throughout the Bible, what we see is that the temple is a symbol of God's presence with humanity. So the temple, we're going to see, was a very real place, but it was also a picture to reveal what God's heart was and what is God's heart from the very beginning that his presence would be mingled in the midst of humanity and that humanity would dwell on the earth with him and establish his rule and reign. This is God's desire from the very beginning. So what I want to show you is I want to walk through the the temple's progression from the very early stages all the way to today and even give you a picture of what it will look like for all of eternity. So the teaching style is a little different today. Uh, It's stretching me a little bit. I'm going to walk through a lot of scripture, specifically from the Old Testament, Uh, They're going to be on the screen here. There'll be quite a few, so I'm not sure if you'll be able to flip back and forth, but if not, uh, on the app, you can get the notes. You can check that out. But but first, I want to see the temple progression. It started in Eden, okay? It started in Eden. Listen to uh, Genesis 3.8. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So Eden, God made the heavens and the earth. He created this beautiful garden and he placed Adam and Eve in the midst of that garden. And in the garden, God was interacting with humanity. We know that he he was with Adam as Adam was naming the animals. He was with Adam and Eve and he said, this is what I want you to do. I'm gonna bless you. And so God blessed them, his very presence. He himself blessed them. And he said, I'm gonna send you out into all the earth and you're gonna take dominion. And what that means is you're gonna establish my way of doing things, my rule and reign. You're gonna go from this little garden and you're gonna spread all over the earth and the earth is gonna be filled with people that relate rightly with God. That was his vision from the very beginning. And so we see from the very beginning that, that Eden was a kind of temple, that, that it was a place where humanity and God overlapped and heaven and, and earth overlapped. And so Eden was really a picture of really the first temple. It was God's design from the very beginning to, to be with his people and for his people to recognize him and be with him. And then he gives Adam and Eve a mandate. Genesis chapter two, he says, the Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Very, very interesting. To work and to keep. So they're in the temple, the place where God and man coexist. Heaven overlaps earth. In the midst of that, he says, this is what I want you to do, Adam and Eve. I want you to work and I want you to keep the land. And so what we see, super interesting, and this is going to be weaved throughout the entire message today, is that Adam and Eve were the original priests in the temple of God. 
And I know I'm stretching our minds a little bit. The temple, don't think of a building, think about a, a, a meeting place. And in that place, Adam and Eve were to partner with God to establish his desire and to worship him. That's what priests do, right? And so from the very beginning, we see this in, in Eden. If we continue to move forward, we, we move from Eden in the very few pages, first few pages of the Bible, we move into and we see that that temple progression moved from Eden to now we have the tabernacle. So we see Moses, he leads the Israelites out of Egypt. They're moving towards the promised land. And God has said, I'm going to show you that I'm with you. And he's speaking to Moses and he's speaking to Moses in Exodus 40, verse 34 through 38. This is so beautiful. And it's so, you'll see it's so incredible how the Lord weaves all this imagery together into something right in the future here. But Exodus 40, verse 34 through 38, it says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. I love that. It's the meeting place. The temple is the meeting place where God and man meet. He covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Another thing to note, anytime you see a temple, the glory of the Lord is there. Wherever the Lord is present with humanity, the glory of God is there. So he filled the tabernacle. Remember, the tabernacle is just this kind of uh, tent that they could move around. It was kind of this mobile building that they would move around. So the spirit of the Lord falls, glory fills the tabernacle, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out to the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and the fire was on it by night. And the sight of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So God so wanted to be in the midst of his people he said, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to build this, this, this like an RV for God. I, I'm kind of like our term now. It's like an RV, right? It's this big RV. And he's like, this is what I want you to do. I, I want you to, when you see the cloud stop, I want you to park that RV at Walmart. No, he never said that. He just said, park the RV, right? And stay there until I move again. So what is the tabernacle? It's a temple. It's a picture of a temple. It's where God and man would be. It's a meeting place. It's the tent of meeting that's filled with the glory of God. And from Moses, that tabernacle led to another tabernacle that I've taught on, and, and we get into a little bit here. It, it's David's tabernacle, and it was, it was quite different, but it was the same idea, that it was a place where God said, I will meet you. And the Ark of the Covenant was brought in. David dances. He sets up tons of musicians and prayer leaders to be there to minister to the Lord first and foremost. And it was the central part of the, the city of David. The presence of God was at the center. So you'd go home to your families after work and you would hear them singing and praying to God. You would go to do a business deal and you would hear the worship to God. You would be making decisions on how do you govern Israel? How do you lead a people, a massive people? How do you do that? You would be listening and hearing the worship going on, the beautiful melodies of music and singing and prayer and, and speaking out. So you would hear all these things. The core of the city of David was the presence of God. It was a temple, the tabernacle, a place where God and humans coexist and where heaven overlaps earth. We see this was a huge part of the Old Testament. And as we know, David, he gets a vision from God and, and he goes to God and says, God, man, I live in a palace. It's a great place. He's like, but you're in a tent, you're in an RV. 
I think you deserve something better. It's like, I want to build you a permanent house. I want to build you a temple. And so he worked, collaborated with the Lord, and then the Lord got to David and said, David, actually, you're not the one that's going to build this temple. Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to work with you. We're going to design this bad boy out. We're going to lay all, all the drawings out. We're going to get it right. But you're actually not the one that's going to build this. It's actually going to be your son. So David takes his last breath. They bury him. Solomon now takes over for his father. And Solomon sets out to build a meeting place that we know as Solomon's temple. And Solomon builds it. It was a huge endeavor, lots of detail, ornate design, lots of specific. If you go through the scriptures, there were so many specific things that God gave David to build. And Solomon actually ended up building. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, we see the blessing as, as they finish the temple. And it begins, this is what happens. Verse 1. It says, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory, there it is, wherever the temple is, the glory is, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest, because every temple needs a priest, the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord in the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord. And this is what they said, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Eden, Moses' tabernacle, David's tabernacle, and now we have Solomon's temple marked by the glory of God, marked by worship, marked by priests that are co-laboring with God in the temple. And yet that temple was torn down. Hmm. That temple was destroyed. And we're reminded that all of these phases, this progression of the temple, they were all pointed to something greater than a building. They had this desire that there would be one day a temple that's restored. And even this temple was restored at one point and then was desolated again. And so there had to be something more than a building. How many you know God is way more interested in something more than a building, right? It's not about a building. It's not about a, a, just a, a central location. All of the tabernacle, Eden, the tabernacles and the temple, they were pointing to something greater. And what was that thing they were pointing to? It was pointing to the one who is the true temple, Jesus Christ himself. This is what we see in the scriptures. Jesus comes in. And remember, the temple is the place where God and humanity, humanity coexist. This is what is said about Jesus. It says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with who? Us. What is that picture of God and humanity coexisting? Uh-oh, it sounds like a temple to me. Heaven overlapping with earth sounds like a temple to me. And so Jesus comes on the scenes, and this is the picture, and so many people missed it, and we still miss it today. We're still like, there's going to be a day, something's going to be built, and Jesus is like, listen, I came. I am the temple. I am the temple. And it's so beautiful, the, the, the nuances of this this temple imagery that was always pointed to Jesus. This is what Philippians 2 says about Jesus, and I love this. It gives us such a clarity of who he is. It says he was, Jesus was the, in the form of God. 
He did not count equality. He did not grasp it, his position in heaven, but he emptied himself. Like we could just sit in that. The one who's the right hand of place of authority in heaven, he, he didn't hold on to that. Like it was just like something he had to have, but he says he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The temple is where God and man coexist. There's not a more pure temple than the one that we call Jesus. Jesus is fully God. Can we all say amen to that? Are y'all with me this morning? He is divine, divine, divine. Never was he not divine. We also know from the scriptures that Jesus was fully human. He submitted fully to humanity. He got hungry. He got tired. He had people let him down. He experienced loss. He had people say things about him. He went through all the sufferings that we go through. So what do we see? In Christ Jesus is divinity God and humanity coexisting in a form of a body. What is that? That's a temple. And Jesus walked around the earth, and what did he say? The kingdom of God is at hand. What is he saying? As it is in heaven, so it be right here in this moment, heaven and earth overlapping. Jesus is the true temple that was promised all these years, and when all these phases, all the tabernacle and the Solomon's temple, they were all pointing to the one who would be the true temple that was promised to Israel. God and man coexisting. <laughs> and not only was he the temple, but we see that Jesus also fulfilled the role of the priest in the temple perfectly. So remember, every time you have a temple, you have the glory of God, which you read John 17, the glory of God was there. It's on Jesus, tons of glory. And every time you see the temple, you also have a priest. And so what does it say about Jesus? Hebrews chapter two, it says, for surely it is not angels that Jesus helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect that he might become a merciful and faithful high what? High what? High priest. In the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of people. So Jesus is the true temple where God and man coexist, but we also see in Jesus, he is the perfect example of what a priest looks like, where they, where they co collaborate, where they partner with God to serve, to honor, to work, to um, maintain what he's doing, to partner, to see his kingdom established. Jesus is the perfect picture of a priest. And so what Jesus gave us is a model for what does it look like for humanity to meet and partner with God on the earth. So yeah, Wayne, we're so grateful when we sing about the way he saved us, the way he opened up the way to the Father, but he also gave us a model for how does humanity live on the earth? What's it look like for humanity to be one with God through the Spirit, establishing heaven on the earth? This is the picture that Jesus gives us. And yet he was crucified, three days later raised up from the dead, 40 days he spent preaching and talking about the kingdom of God, and then he ascended up on the 50th day, he ascended up to be with the Father, 
in heaven or 40 days. He ascended up. And then a few days later after that, he says that the spirit of God comes down at Pentecost. It's beautiful. And Jesus says, it's better that I leave so that the father can send who? Holy Spirit, which is God. We believe it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, fully God. Can we all say yes, amen to that, right? The Trinity is beautiful. So he said, it's better that I leave the true temple, leave to go back because there's something coming that's even gonna be better. Wow, we should lean in for this, right? And so what is the temple that's meant to be on the earth where humanity and God intersect? What is it now? Now what we see is this beautiful picture unfolding where God is restoring what was meant to be in Eden. He's now saying, I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna do it even better. And what he does is he says, now my followers are my temple. Man, think about this. Jesus gives us the model, and then he says, now you follow in my footsteps. This is what 1 Corinthians 3 says. Do you not know, and I would ask you this question, do you guys not know that you are God's what? Oh, somebody say preach that. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in who? You. Remember, a temple is a meeting place where God and man coexist and where heaven overlaps earth. He says, do you not know that through Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the fact that the spirit has now been sent, do you not know that now you are my temple, the place where God dwells with humanity and where heaven overlaps earth? This is who you are. And I feel like this is really where the Lord was like pushing his finger and saying, Derek, like help, help the community sit in in, real, in the reality that you and I, we are temples. We are the dwelling place of God. And what that means is everywhere you go, everywhere you go, the kingdom of God is at hand and ready to break in. Everywhere you go. So that means, does that mean, like when you go to the restaurant after church today, guess what? You are a temple. Guess what? You are a meeting place where God and man meet. I, I love somebody prayed this morning that, that they used to go to the temple. You know what the temple now does? We go to the people. Oh, wow, that went over everybody's head right there. The temple was there. Guess what? Everybody come to the central place. Now, Jesus says it's even better. Now the temples go to the people. So we gather together, man, we celebrate, but then we scatter out. And what are we doing when we scatter out? We are carriers of his presence. The kingdom of God, heaven itself can break in at any moment if we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey. And so when you go home to lead your kids, guess what? You're a temple. When you go to work on Monday and you're dealing with your hard work and your hard boss and your challenging coworkers and the frustration of the grind, guess what? You have an opportunity for heaven to come in and intersect earth. Why? Because it says the spirit of the Lord is in you making us a temple. And wherever we go, we have the chance for people to experience the living God who not only is in here, but is also out here. You and I are the temple. And not only are we the temple, also, another crazy thing, we're also the priest. I mean, this just keeps on going, right? So this is 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal what? Oh, man, Derek, where are we going with this? You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may what? Proclaim. 
Go, demonstrate the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. So we're temples, meeting place, God and man, where heaven overlaps earth. That's what you and I are. We can't not, not be that as kingdom followers, as Jesus followers, right? But he says we're also priests that are called to participate with God to tend, to keep, to maintain. And to actually carry out what Adam and Eve were given at the very beginning, go and spread my rule and reign all across the earth. That's what you and I have been given. And so it moves from individual followers of Jesus, but then it, it continues on and we see that Jesus shows this. He like points to this. There's also this thing that's no, known as the community of God, which is called the church. It's not the steeple, but the people. We talk about that a lot, right? It's the people of God. And let me just read to you what we see in Ephesians chapter two. It says, it says that, that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Thank God for him being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a what? Holy what? Oh, wow, do you see how this is all tying together? I'm not crazy. <laughs> Sometimes I am, but it says it grows together into a holy what? Temple in the Lord. In him also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so he says, man, there, there's now on the earth, there's these individuals that are following Jesus. They've encountered his love, his grace, his mercy. The spirit of God has been deposited in them. And he says, now what you're gonna do, you're gonna gather together, not to just huddle up in some holy huddle. No, you're gonna gather together to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to lift up one another, to pray for one another. But then you're gonna go into the earth and as you do that, listen, you are gonna be my representatives. You are gonna be my temple. You are gonna be a place where I will dwell. I want you to know that the scriptures tell us that the future of the church is more glorious than any past season. You can say what you want about statistics and the news, but I do believe that by God's grace, the church has a mighty role to play in the future of this world. And it's not by our power and our determination and might, but it's because we are a people that recognize his presence and are filled with his spirit and are willing to follow him. The church is another layer of the progression of the temple where God and man intersect. And the, finale, the final, the finale of this whole thing, the progression of the temple, from Eden the tabernacles, to the temple, to Jesus himself, to individual followers, to the church, the finale is that the final temple is the cosmic temple. <laughs> the cosmic temple. So at Revelation 21, says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for a husband. And look at verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne room saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. That sounds like a temple, doesn't it? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. There also will be no more conflict in the Middle East. Somebody that say amen to that. Guess where there also, there won't be any conflict in your own soul. Which is why there's conflict in the Middle East right now anyhow. No more. For the formal th- former things have passed away. Do you see the arc of scripture, the arc of the story, the arc of the narrative of, of all the world? God said, I've got this plan where I'm gonna dwell with humanity and humanity's gonna dwell with me and it started in the garden. And we, along the way, we separated from God's truth, we separated away from his ways, we believed lies. And so God's like, okay, that's fragmented, now we're gonna work a restoration plan. And from that moment, from Genesis three, God has this arc of a story going where he is restoring all things because his desire is to be with his people. And along the way, you have the tabernacle that shows, man, God really does wanna be with his people. You have the temple, in Solomon's temple, God wants to be in the midst of his people. Then you have Jesus, who is Emmanuel, who comes in the flesh. God, man, he wants to be in the midst of his people. And then he says, you are my temple. Then he says to the church, listen, you guys are the dwelling place for God. You're the temple. I wanna show the world that I'm with them, I'm for them. And then when this whole thing concludes, when all of it's restored, we come back to what is God's desire is to be in his, with his people, for us to be with him and for him to be with us, the cosmic temple. And so as we close today, I, I want to I encourage you and I want to challenge you just for a moment to sit in this truth that you are the temple of the living God. What are the implications of that? And we can read over this so quickly and we can just move on. I know I, I covered a lot of ground, but I just want to honor what I felt like the Lord putting his finger on. So for you right now, just take a moment. I know you got places to go. Just, can you just be present just for a moment, not be distracted? The scriptures tell us that, that as people that have stepped into the kingdom of God, that we have the spirit of God living in us. That we have become temples, meeting place between God and man. Hmm. about the opportunities if we really believe that we're as priests that we could partner as we worship God we can partner with him to see heaven established on the earth in our homes in our communities in our neighborhoods our places of work in our schools in our businesses and so let's just take a moment just ask the Lord Lord would you show us man the opportunities we have to partner with you as your temples, as the place where God and man coexist. Holy Spirit, would you just give us a vision, a perspective of what that would look like this week, practically, not just some pie in the sky concept, but a a boots on the ground reality for this week. scriptures tell us that one day the glory of God will cover the earth, cover the face of the earth. What I know about temples is they're filled with the glory of God. So what if the fulfillment of that prophetic vision of the glory covering the earth, what if that was through humanity, like you and me as temples, 
dwell in places of God all over the world, ministering to the Lord, serving those that are around us, and as the temple that the glory of the, God, of the Lord would be so weighty that it would cover the earth as people spread out all over the earth, from the west to the east to the north to the south. Lord, we want to see that. We want your glory to cover this region of northeast Tennessee. We're not going to buy into the lies that the past is what the future looks like. We believe there's a future that's bright and glorious for your people. We believe that you have some incredible things planned for this region. And we want to see your glory cover this region. And so we want to be your priest, Lord. We want to be people that participate with you, partner with you. Hmm. Recognize that your spirit is in us and that heaven is in our midst. Hmm. So we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come in the Tri-Cities region as it is in heaven. Teach us, Lord, to participate with you, to say yes, to trust you, to love our friends and our enemies, to forgive, to seek justice, to walk with humility and mercy. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for giving us a model of the true temple, for being our true temple, and for entrusting us to be your representatives on the earth. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and invite our prayer teams up. Um, and as they are coming, I have been so overwhelmed this morning about the nearness of God. And if you don't feel like that's your story, if you can't say that, if you don't feel that this morning, if you don't feel that nearness of God, please don't leave without letting somebody pray with you because I believe that's the heart of the Father for all of us. So Father God, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the revelation of the story that you have with us. And let the reality of what we heard today become more and more effective and real in our life. And as we walk out being the temple, having you with us, help us to see you in new ways and let us not miss the places you're working. We thank you for it. We bless your name. Amen. Y'all are dismissed.